0: This week on the Canadian Tech Podcast, Apple wants to help you find your way around Canadian airports. Ticket buying bots are officially illegal in Ontario, Lyft launches in Toronto, and the Supreme Court says your text messages are private most of the time. That's all next and more on the Canadian Tech Podcast. The Canadian Tech Podcast is sponsored by Olio Digital Labs. Olio are the planners, designers and developers of the apps used by some of Canada's biggest brands. Find out what Olio can do for you at oliodigitallabs.com. And we're also sponsored by CodeShip, continuous integration and delivery software that lets you ship your apps with confidence. Both CodeShip Basic and CodeShip Pro come with a free plan that grants 100 builds per month unlimited projects and unlimited users. Visit CodeShip.com today to find out which CodeShip product is right for you. Welcome to the Canadian Tech Podcast, episode 144 for Monday, December 18th, 2017, sponsored by Olio Digital Labs and CodeShip. My name is Derek Silva. And I'm David Tost. David, you're new to the show, well, at least to being on the show, so welcome. Thank you. Um, For anybody who listened to last week's show, (laughs) I flew solo, and I'm sure it was far less compelling than normal. And uh, David reached out on Twitter and said, oh, you should have asked me, I'll be on the show. I'm like, well, sure, let's let's do it then. Uh, so anybody who's expecting to listen to the show today, this morning, on the way to work, I'm sorry. Uh, I've been dealing with um, clever host stuff, uh, trying to keep servers up and running as they are, I don't know, uh, occasionally attacked, occasionally running into... I think, issues of SAN connected storage to a VPS. And so I've said, screw it. I'm just going back to dedicated servers. And um, yeah, so I've been spending my time doing that. And so I just couldn't justify doing the show on a Sunday night when I was worrying about people's websites. But thankfully, we could still get David on the show today. And, um, David, can you, sorry, I didn't tell you this pre-show. Can you just tell folks a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living, your level of tech savvy, maybe?
1: Sure. I am a systems analyst for a company that, uh, manufactures circuit boards. Oh, So I do support here in Canada and we have plants down in the U.S., which I take care of. And overall, we have about 27 plants around the world. Oh, Nice. And so, yeah, I do uh, mostly database stuff, but I also do web development. I've been working on PHP, Python, and just work on Linux stuff at work as well.
0: Terrific! And you, uh, to, I guess we can set your level of tech savvy here by letting people know you use you're using Linux Mint right now, and so that's your daily driver at home, by the sounds of it.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I haven't used Windows on my laptop for uh, seven or eight years now.
0: Nice good stuff all right well that uh, that should level set you for for the listeners and uh and lead us into the quick hits uh, apple maps keeps on getting better and catching up to google maps they are uh, it's been updated and added the detailed maps of airports in more than 30 canadian u.s and international airports giving travelers of course a better ability to get information about each location get around each location and that sort of thing The sorts of features you can look forward to are a look inside feature. It's something you can tap to look at boarding gates, security checkpoints, check-in desks, baggage claim carousels, and a bunch of other things. You can browse through the shops, restaurants, and restrooms uh, located within the airport or a specific terminal. You can even ask Siri to find something nearby in airports, view your location with real-time indoor positioning... And you can also toggle between the different floors. So, so a place like Pearson Airport in Toronto, which has a, bo- a mind-boggling amount of floors in some, some portions, uh, that will definitely help you out. Speaking of which, the Canadian airports that now support those features are Pearson International in Toronto, Vancouver International, duh, in Vancouver, and Edmonton International Airport in its namesake. A bunch of other places like Amsterdam, Baltimore, Berlin, Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Geneva, Hong Kong, and the list goes on. Uh, full list available at Mobile Syrup. We've got the link in the show notes. Check that out. Uh, did you have anything to, to add about that? Do you have an iOS device?
1: No, I don't.
0: No? Okay. I don't either, so I'm not going to be using Well, I do. <laughs> I have iPads, though, so I'm not going to be using this anytime soon. Canada is taking a step to try to make getting into the U.S. a little bit easier. Starting four days ago on December 14th, uh, CBSA announced that RFID tech is now fully operational at a bunch of landing points or land points of entry across the country. So uh, now you're going to have special RFID lanes that will have a reader to capture tag numbers in certain kinds of travel documents. Those include uh, permanent resident cards, enhanced driver's licenses from BC, Manitoba, and Ontario. And then there are these things called enhanced ID cars, cards from BC and Manitoba. And of course, the Nexus or FAST cards that you can apply for. So if you're traveling with a document or uh, you know, a pass that has an RFID chip in it, the reader will actually pick that up. It'll recognize the tag as the as your vehicle appro- approaches the booth, and that will automatically show for the security agent there, the border agent, traveler information from a bunch of secure databases, an assessment for risk, and then information about you and all of that on the border officer's screen. So of course, they don't need to ask you a whole bunch of stuff then potentially, or uh, if they do, at least those questions could be a lot more targeted as opposed to, I don't know. When was the last time you were here? Well, you can look at last time I was here. <laughs> um, yeah. So Ralph Goodale, uh, the, uh, minister for public safety and emergency preparedness said that, you know, this should make things a lot easier getting in and out of the country. And, uh, uh, nearby here, you'll be able to use this at the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor and the Peace Bridge in Fort Erie. Elsewhere, there are now crossings in uh, Lansdowne, oh, Niagara, Niagara as well. Um, actually, it looks like it's, oh, and uh, the Emerson border, the now famous Emerson border in Manitoba, uh, one in B- or a few in BC, and elsewhere. David, do you have uh, actually? Do you travel to the U.S. often, especially considering your work?
1: Not for work, but we go down there for personal. Okay. Do you uh, have my one wife's of these... got Sorry. Go no, ahead. we actually. Sorry, my my wife's family's down in Jersey as well, so we go down there oh, okay. quite often. But we were tempted to get the Nexus, and anytime we've gone to the border, I, I haven't gotten the Nexus. But anytime we've gone to the border, we look at the Nexus line, and it's closed. So you're forced to go into the regular line. So it's almost like, what's the point?
0: Fair enough. Uh, do you, I don't even know if I have one of the enhanced driver's licenses. I think that's something you need to actually pay a little bit extra think, for. So I don't think. I yeah, do. no, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just keep using my passport. It's got, it's got a chip in it already. So I think I'm, uh, I'm set up for success here. I just can't use the RFID lane, I guess. Um, the, uh, government of Ontario officially passed the strengthening protection for Ontario consumers act, including the ticket sales act, which I'm sure you'll, you might be aware, uh, had a provision aimed at reducing the illegal and unethical resale of concert and other event tickets by means of, um, ticket bots or ticket purchasing bots that, uh, has been in the news a lot lately, especially that, Jerk from Montreal who's been <laughs> buying <laughs> millions of tickets and then reselling them through uh, StubHub and places like that. So now uh, the new rules ban the use and sale of ticket buying software. There are now rules that ban the sale of tickets acquired through ticket bots and rules that cap the resale of tickets at 50% above face value. Which is weird because I thought you weren't allowed to sell your tickets above face value in the first place, in the <laughs> secondary market. But hey, whatever. Uh, and now you're, there are now rules that require businesses to sell that do sell tickets to disclose info about the uh, how the t- ticket was originally acquired to customers. Will this help? Maybe. If not, on to the next thing.
1: <laughs> I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I know you don't. That's okay. Nope. Uh, Uber Canada has revealed that the recent breach from last year that we just found out about uh, affect eight, affected eight hundred and fifteen thousand Canadians. Uh, so if you're uh, if you're an Uber user, actually, I really don't know what to say. Change your passwords for sure. Maybe you get a new cell phone number. Uh, they shouldn't have your <laughs> SIN number, so that shouldn't be too bad. Um, maybe call your, your, your credit card company and say, Hey, I'm an Uber customer giving me a new credit card number, please. Um, otherwise, you know, this story has been beaten to death, but now we do know the, the number of Canadians involved. So 815,000 after 30 out of 34 million Canadians is probably almost every Canadian, uh, that is using Uber in some way, uh, as of this time last year, go ahead.
1: Sorry, what boggles me is that, you know, these companies that store credit card information—they don't encrypt it. it. It seems like that they just don't encrypt the data.
0: Yeah, well, I think this. So this was special because um, the guy. So the, the 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 article that we linked to is a little misleading. Tech fives did not write this up accurately. The data wasn't actually stored on GitHub. I don't I don't believe not not from what I've heard. Uh, but the username and password to get to the database where this stuff was stored was in a Uber employee's GitHub account. So whatever repo he had there, um, the hacker that was actually hired by the dude from Florida, um, uh, yeah, the account that that he hacked, he or she, um, did have credentials to get into a database that I guess, yes, was unencrypted. Might have been, you know, a subset of data for testing or something like that. And so, you know, in, in that sense, you might feel like you don't need to encrypt it, but of course it should be. And, uh, and you, and this should, they shouldn't have uh, a lot of data in there anyway, like names, email addresses, phone numbers. I'm pretty sure we're all that was there. So it's not, it wasn't credit card data, which shouldn't be there anyway. That should be tokenized, uh, by their payment processor. Um, but the fact that, the Names, email addresses, and phone numbers weren't uh, encrypted with bcrypt or something like that, even if it was just for testing. Um, right, you know, it, it still sucks. So, I, I get why it wasn't, or potentially why it wasn't, but absolutely, it, it's um, this sort of thing needs to stop. In other news, Twitter has has made tweet storms or threads much, much easier now to, uh, to deploy. Uh, unleash on the world basically you can load up your twitter app now and when you're composing a tweet they actually give you a a button at the bottom that says add a tweet to this and so you can set up your three four ten tweets and then you hit your tweet all button and there it goes up to twitter and it's all there and so it automatically puts it together as a thread or as a tweet storm and uh, and people make it makes makes the makes it easier for others to reference your thread or tweet storm. Um, coincidentally, Storify, which offered an aggregation platform for tweets, uh, has announced that they're shutting down. So, thank goodness for Twitter and not making tweet storms and threads easier, because now you can't collect you can't collect them in Storify. Do. Well, I, sh- I know you're on Twitter. Do you ever put together epic threads about stuff bothering you at work or people standing out line at the Bell, TELUS, and Rogers <laughs> stores trying to get 10 gigs for 60 bucks a month?
1: No, I just end up tweeting, I guess, like, you know, uh, Walmart and McDonald's just complaining them as a consumer.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Does that ever actually help you?
1: Uh, well it helps me vent <laughs> they say they'll look into it but they don't
0: right well that's too bad well maybe now you should um, uh, you should take advantage of this and, and unleash a, a storm of tweets on Walmart and McDonald's about their poor customer service or actually whatever you're complaining about I,
1: I think I think it was about a year ago I had an issue with a Black Friday purchase with uh, Microsoft. So I contacted uh, Microsoft through Twitter mm-hmm. and they said, okay, direct message us your email address and we'll yeah. contact you. And they they did. And it was the customer service was uh, unbelievable. Just I couldn't even rave any more than what I was, you know, the type of service I was getting back from them. Nice. They res- they've resolved the problem and then some.
0: Yeah, I, f- I found before, and we, we talked about this on the show before, that probably because it's being done in public, the level of support provided over Twitter by certain companies is way better <laughs> than you'll ever get on the phone. Uh, Rogers, yeah. I have experienced that with. And um, NatureBox, even a few months ago, we ended up canceling anyway, but they, they did try to make something right. And um, yeah, so I've, I it's usually a last resort for me, but certainly, uh, yeah, there are definitely companies who take the public complaints over Twitter and potentially Facebook much more seriously, which they shouldn't. It should all have equal weight, but oh well, at least you know you can get somewhere if you complain on the right place. Yeah. Uh, last week, uh, la- for the last quick hit, the L- Lyft launched officially in Toronto, I think it was last Tuesday, and they did so with a round-up and donate initiative that let Lyft riders round up each- their fare to the nearest dollar for the cause of their choice uh so lyft uh was especially um interested in donating money to the sick kids foundation they've also had a big uh kickoff with uh the tech community in toronto a little while ago they're trying to raise like 100 million dollars or something crazy like that um there was a press event patient ambassadors etc but the big thing is lyft is officially an international company now uh now that they've expanded outside of the u.s and um uh, as of last week, they already had more than 100 drivers, uh, but they wouldn't share exact numbers, but Hey, more than a hundred for day one, I'd say is a pretty good start. Um, I don't use Uber because I don't like them as a company, but, uh, that's my personal quibble. Do you ever use any ride sharing services around, uh, Brampton, David?
1: I've used Uber on the way to the airport and I was very, very pleased. Mm-hmm. Going to the airport was a much better experience than coming out of the airport because Uber is not allowed to pick up people at the airport, right? So you have to use the Toronto limos, right? So they have the. So when I I, I placed the call for the Uber, one of the limos pulled up, and that was not very pleasant.
0: (laughs) So it was an Uber driver, but but in a limo.
1: Yeah, it was like the Toronto um, airport limos. Oh, okay. I guess they had the Uber app or something.
0: Oh. Interesting.
1: So, you could only pick up a Uber within, you know, the lane right beside the exit from the airport? Right. You couldn't unless you could contact the Uber driver directly, then they'll pick you up where normal passengers get picked up. Huh. By family members and whatnot.
0: And this is for Pearson? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: I don't know if, well, we probably have something similar in <laughs> London International because the Checker Limousine has, which is, well, they build like a cab, but they're, it, they're quite nice and they have uniformed drivers. Checker Limousine has an exclusive deal with the airport to provide rides out of the airport, last I heard. It used to be about town, then they switched to Checker. They switch every once in a while. Um, so it would probably be the same thing here, uh, for better or worse. But anyway, um, that's it for the quick hits. Let's hear from our friends at. Codeship. Codeship is a SaaS-delivered continuous integration and delivery solution that lets you ship your apps with confidence. You can choose between Codeship Basic or Codeship Pro. Basic is a simple testing and deployment service with pre-installed CI dependencies. It works right out of the box, making the average setup time less than three minutes. Or try Codeship Pro. The Pro version is a fully customizable continuous integration and delivery service that has native Docker support, and it is much easier to use than Jenkins. Uh, It makes it easy to test and deploy your microservices, push to any registry. It's perfect if you wanna deploy with Kubernetes and it comes with a convenient local command line tool that allows you to run your builds locally. It helps encrypt your environment variables and guarantees 100% parity between your development and your production environments. Both CodeShip Basic and Pro come with a free plan that grants 100 builds per month, on limited projects and unlimited users open source projects are always welcome and free on CodeShip. So, visit CodeShip.com today or check out CodeShip.com features to find out which CodeShip product is the best fit for you. All right. So, we are going to talk about a bunch of different things. Um, Shidan Guron uh, put together a little op-ed for Tech Vibes here, talking about Uh, Blockchain technology, cryptocurrencies, which go hand in hand. You can't really have a a blockchain without a cryptocurrency because typically you need some sort of mechanism to actually run on the blockchain and let you do work. And typically that's a cryptocurrency or token, if you prefer, uh, uh, running on the blockchain. And um, basically just talking about the regulatory environment uh, that could be potentially stifling uh, innovation here in Canada. China has, of course, gone way to the extreme, banning the use of cryptocurrencies entirely. Not smart. Um, Also banning uh, uh, citizens and residents. So they don't even care if you don't live in China anymore. If you're a Chinese citizen living in Canada, they they still don't want you participating in token sales or ICOs, initial coin offerings, that sort of thing. Um, Korea might be i heard a rumor last week that they might be loosening up the restrictions a little bit probably understanding we can't really prevent this but um they're also uh on the extreme in terms of uh allowing blockchain type activity uh to happen amongst the masses on the other hand you have singapore who's like yeah no problem why don't you start your company here um and and you know we'll we'll let you run your exchange here and that sort of thing so a bunch of activity based in singapore even if the the people are not there uh which of course is increasingly common these days we're somewhere in the middle here uh famously the kick token sale uh for buying kin tokens that are exclusively used on uh, on kick um was or they shut out Canadians because they just weren't sure if they were actually going to run again, run afoul of any laws here, any securities laws or things like that. And right now, um, cryptocurrencies in general uh, are considered securities in Canada, not currency. So it is like they can Canadian regular regulators, especially the Ontario Securities Commission, which is kind of leading the way here uh, in Canada in good and bad ways um considers it like buying a stock in a company or buying gold as a commodity as opposed to um converting canadian dollars to u.s dollars so that that obviously adds complications um on the other hand uh Shidan goes on to talk about how uh, you know we need to have a healthy population of blockchain startups. We do. We're only behind the UK and the US right now, um, but uh, uh, one thing that's being done really, really well here is that the. Canadian Securities Administrators, that's an informal body that tries to harmonize regulations across all the other regulatory bodies of each province and territory. They've got this thing called the Regulatory Sandbox Initiative. Basically, it acts as an express model for fintech companies to have their business models assessed and altered for compliance if needed. And it lets their uh, product, service, or their app uh, get tested in the Canadian market. There's a five-step process. The applicants have to go through with their local securities regulator to determine the types of registrations or exemptions that will be needed for them to operate legally. And then the CSA reviews the applications, helps them tailor their limits and conditions for applicants to do business for a fixed period of time, kind of like on a trial basis, and... But nicely, this gets you around a much longer and cumbersome application process that you would normally need to go through if you want to enter the financial market in the traditional way here in Canada. So um, that's being complemented by the Launchpad program, which is being done by the Ontario Securities Commission, Um, also a similar streamlined process, and... um, yeah, you know, really what Shidan goes through here is like, okay, things aren't so bad here. We've got some initiatives that are trying to make this a little bit easier, but we need to be careful not to go the way of China or Korea and, um, you know, make sure that we're we're open to the innovation and open to accepting companies that want to use blockchain and therefore some sort of token or currency on top of it, um, because otherwise we're going to get left behind. Um personally i agree we all know i've i have put a little bit of money into some tokens currencies cryptocurrencies um i have well it's not a ton of money but i have a bunch of uh, different holdings uh that i'm mostly because i'm interested in the companies themselves that are that are actually uh starting those or need raising the money for the tokens to to uh, for use on the platform David, where where are you at here with blockchain and cryptocurrencies? You said you've been listen, listening to the show for quite a while. So, of course, you've heard us talk about it. But you know, what's your opinion on on uh, Shidan's um, comments on the regulatory environment here, on maybe your comfort with, with blockchain and cryptocurrencies in general, that sort of thing?
1: I haven't really looked really into it or sort of gone deep down and in, investigated or kind of learned about it. Mm-hmm. I assume that you haven't mortgaged your house to buy any Bitcoin or anything. That no,
0: <laughs> <laughs> dude, no, not even close. I'm literally talking a couple hundred bucks here. It's not, I've not bet the farm, so to speak, on, uh, on cryptocurrencies. Now my investments, my, my conversions have done quite well for me. I find uh, it. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. I find it funny. You know what? uh china banning uh i guess crypto it's from what i hear china is one of the largest you know big corn big coin uh mining countries right
0: that's correct yeah they they do um chinese entities uh whether they're people or companies uh, control, last I heard, more than 50% of the mining capacity, uh, the mining hashing power uh, of the Bitcoin network specifically, yes.
1: There was an article I was reading and it was a, a family that they've mortgaged a house and bought a couple of these boxes to mine Bitcoin and other currencies oh, and stuff like that. So, the
0: couple in Vancouver?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard
1: about <laughs> them. So I looked up. I looked up to see how much those boxes are right and they're available aliexpress they're about six seven thousand us dollars
0: yeah i found an ant miner s9 um uh, for forty five hundred dollars us so yeah it it depends on where you're getting it from but yeah they're not cheap at all like i i'm part of this um facebook group for the bad crypto podcast and um <laughs> They're, the guys are funny, but it's it's a good show. They 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 get some really good guests on there talking about you know important stuff here, and uh, and the one guy uh, who's a, who listens to the show and he's in the the mastermind Facebook group, um, he has probably spent about a hundred thousand dollars on Whoa. on Antminer S9 devices because he's got like twenty some of them. However he's currently producing by himself on average 2.2 bitcoin per month so wow, that's insane he's you know depending on how long he's been doing that he's either almost recouped his investment already in a few months or he's well on his way so uh yes he put in a ton of money and it's liquid cooled and it looks ridiculous uh in a really cool way <laughs> but um uh yeah, he's he's. it's paying off, I would say.
1: Perfect for Canadian winters. You won't have to run the furnace. Just yeah. let the yeah, big coin machines heat up the house.
0: <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, well, anyway, let's... Uh, yeah, I I do tend to agree with, with what uh, Shidan's uh, written here. You can go read the full thing on Tech Vibes and... Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, hopefully things work out in uh, in favor of allowing this practice to continue or and get e- get easier. In a uh, completely different topic, the Supreme Court of Canada has upheld uh, privacy exemptions in regard to some text messages, some of the time. I know five two decision decision delivered on December seventh, uh, with a couple of dissenting opinions. The uh, Supreme Court permitted a reasonable expectation of privacy when Toronto police search the BlackBerry uh, and use search a BlackBerry and use a text message conversation to convict uh nor America of uh illegal transaction of firearms the uh, now retired or retiring Chief Justice Beverly McLaughlin said text messages that have been sent and received can in some cases attract a reasonable expectation of privacy and therefore can be protected against unreasonable search or seizure under Section 8 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Whether a claimant had a reasonable expectation of privacy must be assessed in the totality of the circumstances. Totality of the circumstances actually having legal bearing and uh, very much differing from all the... um, uh, all the cases mostly down in the us where a cop has shot a civilian, um, in which case, and I'm not kidding here, those uh, the juries are actually being told in those cases that they're only supposed to assess that moment, that moment in time when the police officer shot the civilian uh, and you know and how you would have acted in that moment of time, not the totality of the whole scenario, just that moment in time. this thing happened, I shot. What would you would what would you have done if you were the cop? So, um, the uh, so the Supreme Court of Canada did put three specific provisions around this this protection. The place where the search occurred, whether it be re- a real physical place or a metaphorical chat room. Um, oh, hang on, this it. Right. Uh, The private nature of the subject matter, that is whether the informational content of the electronic conversation revealed details of the claimant's lifestyle or information of a biographic nature and uh, control over the subject matter. Those three things need to be assessed when when deciding whether uh, the text message um, should have some uh, privacy uh, or, you know, Section 8 applied to it. David, what do, you, what do you think here?
1: Sadly, the way things are going, you can't really expect any privacy nowadays.
0: <laughs> so thank you, Supreme Court, for handing us, us a little bit.
1: <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I guess. It's just, I don't know, it's just you want to be private and whatnot, and then stuff like this happens that, you know, like, You know, if we were texting between you and me, just kidding around, saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going to shoot the guy," doesn't mean that I'm. Yeah,
0: you might might write something like, "I'm going to kill that mofo," and you know, you're not serious, but uh, but obviously, you know, the wrong person seeing that at the wrong time could be taken in a very literal sense, whereas you're as you're just letting your you know venting some frustration. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Um, for me, I really like this because uh no you know obviously somebody conv- who could have been convicted of illegal uh illegally selling guns no i'm I'm not a fan of the, of the case in which this was applied necessarily um but at the same time if all you had it was a text message to go off of you, you probably didn't have a very strong case um That's but true if too. I, but if I do say send something to my spouse i want to know that communications with my spouse have the same sort of protections as me verbally saying something to her and so i think you know this this is the sort of uh that's the sort of position or scenario where at least one specific provision that the supreme court laid out could be applied whether it's uh you know we normally have controls over over our devices or um you know, the thing that was being said was part of my lifestyle or information of a biographic nature or something like that. So, okay. Um, There is, uh, well, Tech Vibes has a story about a Toronto-based startup called Unada or Unada, probably Unada, uh, that has been building digital solutions for retailers. And uh, recently they've had um, five major regional U.S. grocers uh, start using the, well, in the last year, um, that has been using the e-commerce platform UNADA puts together in order to do, uh, or provide click and collect shopping and home delivery as well. Those companies are seeing a 44% growth in online sales in the last 12 months, uh, 43% for click and collect specifically, and 46% year over year for home delivery. So of course that's, um, Huge for a Toronto-based company to be helping uh, retailers uh, compete, uh, you know, at scale with uh, with Loblaws, with Amazon, those sorts of companies. Uh, here in Canada, we have companies like Longos, Raley's, and Roche Bros. Or Roche Brothers, who are uh, using Unada's tools to do one-on or one-to-one digital shopping tools. So you're looking at e-commerce loyalty programs, digital coupons, and w- t- uh, tailored weekly shopping ads. And uh, there's a little bit of a little testimonial here from the director of e-commerce at Roche Bros about how much they like the platform and that sort of thing. And uh, and Unada just hit or just hit the uh, Profit 500 list. They're the 11th fastest-growing tech company in Canada. And 15th out of 500 on the Profit 500 list with 3,957% growth over the last five years. Because in year one, they made $1 and then they made $500. And then they made $2,000 because percentages mean nothing. And it literally (laughs) could have gone like that. But regardless, no, it's a a feel-good story about a Toronto startup or a Canadian startup and uh and helping smaller companies compete uh with some of the big boys um we all know i use loblos click and collect because that's all i can use in in london uh specifically uh but i really really like it and i'm looking forward to more home delivery services oh as a matter of fact i didn't include it this week but lcbo is also launching click and collect that's dangerous <laughs> but i'm not complaining. Uh, David, do you ever use click and collect or or maybe some home delivery uh, solutions from some of the grocery stores?
1: No, the only, I guess, item that we've bought that maybe you can get at a grocery store was diapers from Amazon.
0: (laughs) Okay, and now we know David, like I, have kids or has kids.
1: Yeah, we were running. I wasn't able to go and my wife couldn't go out and Mm -hmm. she ordered from Amazon at 11 a.m. by 5 o'clock. She had... The diapers at the door.
0: Wow. Same day. It's just incredible. I'm a little jealous. (laughs) You're like 20 minutes away from the depot though. (laughs) That's true too. It is so close to you.
1: Actually, (laughs) is it at least two depots? And I think there might be a third one down there too.
0: I'm honestly not sure. I just know that almost everything I order from Amazon comes from Mississauga, which obviously you're not in Mississauga, but it's not that far either. Um, so, but I, 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 honestly don't know how many depots they have. I know they've been hiring in, in the GTA, but, um, yeah, so I guess we can look forward to more click and collect from some of the smaller providers with uh, companies like Unata um, having a solution available. So maybe, uh, Sobies would deploy something like that or Metro or even some of Sobies um, or Metro's discount brands like, um, um, no frills. Oh. Freshco, no frills, okay. yeah, food, t- Foodland, food Town. So we'll see. All right, last but so, not least. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Sorry, what was that company that we had back in the dot-com day? Was it e-grocery or something?
0: Oh. e um, I think I know who you're talking about. Grocery Van?
1: No, it was, there was another one. I guess I was just thinking that they, in a way, were way ahead of their time, right? Oh yeah,
0: there uh, this is <clears throat> this is not the first time we've had grocery delivery available, but some of those companies were just they were too soon. Uh the platforms weren't robust enough, the the websites were slow, prices were higher for a variety of reasons. Like even Instacart um just partnered up with Loblaw's. We talked about that I think last week or the week before. And um their prices, they've they've said flat out are a little bit higher on Instacart's website. They're working on bringing them down, but you know what what they need to do in order to do that. I don't know, especially when they're already charging for the delivery um, already. But um, it, it's getting there slowly but surely. Slowly at for internet speeds.
1: <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it works out.
0: Yeah, I'm confident it will. All right, last story of the night. Uh, Shaw and Bell are both asking the CRTC to uh, back a plan that would let. Uh, ISPs block uh, specific websites uh, that are accused of hosting pirated material. Uh, Shaw says that the CRTC should consider using its authority under Section 35 of the... Oh, shoot. Where was it? I was just looking at it. Section 35, to approve court orders for ISPs to block access to online services infringing Canadian copyright law. Shaw also said that blocking on uh, access to online sources that infringe Canadian copyright responds to the economic and social requirements of users of telecommunication services. I disagree. Um, they say it would be an impediment to future economic growth of the creative sector. That's a fair point. Uh, and as well as the promotion and development of Canadian content and legitimate <coughs> Canadian distribution platforms, if rights holders are denied access to an effective tool to combine uh, combat online piracy, because the CRTC didn't let ISPs uh, comply with court orders, so you know what, David, I'm going to let you start. What do you What do you think about this sort of thing?
1: Do you want to keep this as PG?
0: <laughs> I don't know what our rating on iTunes is, so yes, try to keep it to yeah. freaking and stupid <laughs> head and maybe idiot, uh, as opposed to you know dropping f bombs and s and s bombs.
1: I, I, I don't think that you know. Let's like say, for example, Shaw or Bell, especially Bell. You know, if they decide, well, you know what, we don't like uh, you know one of the torrent websites. Let's block it, right? right. Who's who's controlling it? Are they the ones that are going to control it? It's not like a group of you know people. It's right. just I, I don't know. It's 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 almost like, in a way, it's almost like net uh, net neutrality from the U.S. Right? Right to say, well, they're they're not going to, let's say, slow down or block Netflix because they want to, you know, push people more towards Crave TV.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Bell could totally do that if, if there were not any net neutrality regulations in place here. Thankfully, there are. Um, the CRTC has been using several provisions underneath the Telecommunications Act to enforce it. So far, so good. Uh, the federal government has said that they're looking at revising the the Telecommunications Act to make net neutrality even stronger. Um, but certainly this sort of thing would fly in the face of net neutrality. Of course, if they do have legal, um, uh, the legal ability to do it, then they have the legal ability to do it. Can't really necessarily uh, uh, argue against that. Um where I'm coming from is the place I've always come from on this. Where if you just make it easy and affordable for Canadians to get the um, the content they want, they won't have to pirate it. That's, totally,
1: totally agree.
0: That's always been the issue. Always been the issue. Whether you're talking about cable back in the eighteen uh, the nineteen eighties, the nineteen eighties <laughs> and nineteen nineties to today or internet service or satellite or music over whatever medium you know uh, cds were 20 bucks when i was like 17 years old because just for some you know certain artists right they could they thought they could charge 20 bucks and so they did it's still 20 dollars for some reason if you do if you do manage to find a cd that you want to buy find the cd in the first place is hard enough um and it just it doesn't make any sense to me. It, has, it hasn't made sense to me in a long time. Um, I know we got spoiled by Napster when I was 17, 16. Um, and, and, you know, experiencing that whole thing uh, at a fairly young age. More than half of my life ago. And um, But when you pay a buck a song, uh, you know... It, it, there's enough there to spread around to make sure everybody gets a slice and gets the piece that they deserve. I don't think Apple and Google deserve, or Apple specifically, deserves thirty cents out of that whole ninety-nine cents um, for you know delivering uh, the the MP three to an iTunes user. But regardless, that's the deal they have, as far as I know. Um, and you know things like Game of Thrones or. Silicon Valley, or you know, any other show on HBO, or certain ones that uh, are on Stars in the US, and you know, Bell will pick up uh, the rights for here, or Rogers will pick up the rights for here. If you didn't make me subscribe, like I will watch the ads, okay? I will watch the ads on whatever streaming free streaming platform Bell and Rogers and Shaw can put together. If I want to pay. $5 a month, $10 a month. If I find value in it, I will do that. As of right now, they don't even let you watch CTV online, last I tried, without um, signing in to your other cable provider's uh, uh, account. I don't have one. (laughs) I'm a Netflix-only house right now, and you're not making it any easier for me to try out these other services, unless it's specifically Crave TV, and I get a month to try it out. And, you know, and figure out whether I do want to pay for it.
1: And that's what a lot of the channels down in the U.S. require that you sign in with, I guess, yeah. your account for your cable or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you got to sign w- with
0: your Time Warner, Time Warner cable account or Comcast cable account so you can watch CBS or, or, you know, ESPN online or whatever.
1: So, like you were saying, one thing that I found was like, okay, so before Netflix became very popular or was available in Canada mm-hmm. you know a lot of people would be resorted to downloading movies off torrents and stuff of like that I believe that once Netflix came into Canada you know people downloading movies I'm not saying that it totally went away but it would have I would think dramatically decreased right
0: I, I, and then I, when, I would be very surprised if it didn't
1: when you were able to VPN down into the US and get Netflix that way you know a lot of people did that way so, you know, they're willing to pay the eight, nine, ten dollars to get access to all that. Absolutely. And then once they once they started to block, I think there was a, a more of an increase of people downloading again torrents to get access to those TV shows and movies and stuff like that that at one point they did have access on Netflix US. So now that it's blocked, I guess they're back to going the illegal route.
0: Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, like, you know, I get frustrated that I have to wait, like, six months. um, First World of Problems, but, uh, you know, (laughs) to get the the latest Marvel movie or what have you. But patiently, I waited the six months for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to show up on Netflix. I watched it the other night. It was great. And I didn't have to pirate it because I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming, and I knew I was already paying for access to it because Disney might have messed up the Netflix deal or pulled out of the Netflix deal in the U.S., but elsewhere, they're not doing their own service. They are continuing to use Netflix, so for the foreseeable future, I can still get Marvel movies and other Disney movies on Netflix six months after they show up in theaters. Well. I'm not, going to the, I'm not going to the theater anyway to watch Guardians of the Galaxy as much as they'd prefer me to because, um, A, it's too expensive. B, I have two kids at home <laughs> who uh, like it when I'm home. Um, and we only just on Saturday uh, started hiring a babysitter. So maybe we'll start getting out of the house more often now. But um, you know, up until now, it's been a pain with an eight-year-old and a three-year-old at home, or especially when they were six and one. So um, anyway, um, Bell, Shaw, just make it easy for us. Make it affordable for us. We'll pay for it. We'll use your crappy online service. uh, And I don't mean the content. I mean the service itself (laughs) to, to watch the content you have available to us. Ideally in a Roku channel. That'd be great. Um, but if not, you know, I've got a laptop plugged into my TV in my bedroom. I can watch on there
1: anyway, you know, then there's always the Cody people too, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes, there is. All right. That wraps it up for the stories. I'm going to, we're going to hear from our good friends at Oleo.
2: Olio Digital Labs is one of Canada's most accomplished small market agencies, delivering web apps and mobile apps to businesses across Canada. In an era of persisting connectivity and pervasive mobile devices, it has become more important than ever before for businesses to be everywhere their employees and customers are. That's why Olio provides its clients with the peace of mind only a highly skilled and experienced team can provide. A team that is big enough to support your needs, but flexible enough to work to your constraints. With a client list spanning from the Middlesex London Health Unit and Ellison Travel and Tours, all the way up to College Pro and the Home Depot, the team at Oleo has proven itself to be the planners, designers, and builders of the web and mobile apps used by some of Canada's largest brands. Find out what Oleo can do for you by calling 226-785-0420 or visit oleodigitallabs.com to learn more. That's Oleo Digital Labs, code that powers every day.
0: And we'd like to thank Olio Digital Labs for continuing to sponsor the Canadian Tech Podcast. All right, stuff we like. David, you're the guest. I've been talking a lot tonight. How about you go first?
1: So I guess I have to say my favorite thing as of recently. I end up getting a Google Home, or actually a couple of Google Homes, uh, during I guess I guess it was the American Black Friday with the uh, ninety nine deal.
0: Oh that's what I bought mine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really think I was going to enjoy it, but we use it every single day. And it's like, you know, when I come down from the bedroom down into the kitchen, as I'm getting ready for my day to head off to work, I'll say, you know, keyword, good morning. And it says, uh, good morning, David. And here's, you know, the weather, how long my commute's going to be and all the other stuff. My my son, he's only sixteen months, and he, it's funny. He'll just go and stand in front of it, and he's and he sounds like he's saying the word Google, because <laughs> you know we'll we'll ask it to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or you know something else. And oh, I've never thought just, about that. Oh, he oh, just man. loves it. He just stands there <laughs> dancing.
0: That's cute. Yeah, my uh, so obviously he's too young to be controlling it yet. Um,
1: Oh, he touches it, hitting the pause button?
0: Yeah, well, I and meant the voice control, but yes, yes. You oh, can, yes, You can yes, tap yes. the top to, to pause and play again. Um, but my eight-year-old loves the fact that he can control it and, like, pick songs and uh, to listen to and stuff like that. Um, he likes to ask random questions, and every once in a while I'm like, hey, 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 I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could have asked me. You don't need to ask Google every time. Um, so he's like, oh, okay. Like, how about you run the question by me first? If I know the answer, I'll tell you the answer. If not, <laughs> we can ask the Google home together. So, so, so you bought a few, so you have one in the kitchen. Where's, where's the so, other one?
1: So we have the, the big one, the, the home, I guess. And then the minis. Oh, the max. No, no, not the, not that oh, big okay, one. Okay. No.
0: Just the Google home. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then the mini ones. So we have, oops. So we have one upstairs on the third floor and then one in the office here. Cool,
0: cool. Yeah, I, I put the Google Home Mini on my Christmas list. I don't know if I'll end up getting one or not, but uh, the Google Home in the kitchen works really well. I'd like to connect the Mini to, well, I'd like to put it in my bedroom and uh, and also get a go, uh, a Chromecast so that I can just tell the Google Home Mini to play stuff on the TV and then I can voice control Netflix instead. That would be nice. Yeah.
1: actually, Netflix doesn't work though, because I've done. We have. The, I have the Nexus Player. Yeah. And when I've asked to look up stuff on Netflix, it doesn't. For some reason, it just says oh, it's not available. Yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, I still like a Chromecast anyway, because then I can just start stuff from my phone and cast it to the TV. So as opposed to getting up and messing around with the uh, the HP laptop that's up up there right now.
1: You know, it's funny. They have like the options. Like I have the uh, Logitech Harmony uh, companion, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the infrared and Bluetooth uh, hub for the entertainment system. Right. And you can say, okay, keyword uh, talk or tell tell Harmony to turn off the TV or turn up the volume. And that works. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> or like Sorry. if I'm across
1: the room, I'll say, you know uh pause pause the tv so like mm-hmm. if i'm not necessarily close to the the remote to pause what right. i'm watching
0: yeah i really I, mean, I really wish i had a chromecast on my on our main tv in the living room for that very reason so that i could say pause the tv because every once in a while, they, like, the kids want to listen to music. Okay, well, the TV's already on, so let's go pause the TV or turn it off, and then we can listen to music so we don't have media from, like, the next room over come bleeding into the kitchen. And, uh, and so for that reason, I'd love to be like, okay, G-Word, um, you know, pause the TV and play this song so that it, because I know that you can chain commands now, probably not all of them, but you can chain commands. And so I'd really love to do that. So, um, I really want a Chromecast. Somebody give me a Chromecast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, my thing I like this week are the, it's all Google this week, the AR stickers in the Pixel camera app. So if you have a Google Pixel, Pixel XL, Pixel 2, or Pixel 2 XL, huh? There are, uh, augmented reality stickers now right in the camera app. So load up the app, click the hamburger menu, and go to AR stickers. And they have some from Stranger Things, Star Wars. Uh, what else? Um, um, oh, AR balloons are, are coming in time for New Year's and uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, oh, uh, little cute little like food uh, like moving food or like food with legs and arms. Um, I took some pictures earlier. It's kind of fun. Uh, you can do some words. You can do some other objects, things like that. So you can actually like set up a little stormtrooper standing right in front of you, um, like in a hallway or in a doorway. You can have TIE fighters. I had a BB-8 rolling around on my laptop earlier. It's a, it was a lot of fun. Stupid, you know, time waster, but fun nonetheless. Um, so if you have any one of those four devices I mentioned and you've, you've installed Google 8.1 or sorry, Android 8.1, the very latest version of, uh, of Oreo, which is available because I have it obviously. Um, yeah, you can, uh, you can mess around with these too. And if not, um, come over to my house <laughs> and we'll mess around with them together, I guess. I don't really know what else to say. Or, you know, you can get, um... Uh, the latest one of the latest iPhones with iOS 11, and they have AR stickers too, or just get Snapchat, maybe. But uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun.
1: Okay, I that... didn't even know it was there.
0: Yeah, what's uh what what kind of device do you have? I know you don't have a, a, ha- an iPhone.
1: I have the Pixel. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that was just, well, while you were discussing it. I actually <laughs> went into it and I was playing around with it.
0: There you go. Yeah, AR stickers. There we go. I'm gonna load this up again. Oh right, I you gotta know, move my phone around the space so that it gets a good idea of what's around. I guess I don't really know what why this is what this is for. Okay, there I, we go.
1: I actually saw one. I think it might have been on Reddit where this guy was in the bathroom and he there was two or three urinals and he <laughs> put uh, two stormtroopers to the right and to the left of him. And then as he was using the middle one, it looked, it looked, it looked real. Like it wasn't, I I thought it was at first, you know, two guys dressed as stormtroopers.
0: Oh, I see. And then you can move around with two fingers. Uh, Oh, and so one finger puts the sticker closer to you or further away from you. Two sticker or two fingers actually lets you like move it. I see that's cool but you can't move it left or right (laughs) you gotta keep the you gotta keep the um the camera where it was pointed when you originally started which kind of sucks but um it's still pretty cool yeah total time waster but (laughs) uh fun nonetheless Okay, that does it for this week's show david thank you so much for joining me and making it a far more compelling show than another solo show um if people want to talk to you online find you online where should they go I, you obviously have twitter um what's your what's your handle there
1: uh digital with the word or d i d i g i i t a l right and that's- else uh, i guess facebook as well
0: okay so look and that's pretty david, much it david Tosh, tossed. tost tossed yeah t-o-s-t-e if you if you want a friend david or maybe send him a message that would probably probably be less creepy and <laughs> um all right that's great so uh as we're wrapping up i will remind everybody to please review us on itunes for or preferably five stars would be great To attract more folks to the show, you can also listen and subscribe to us on Google Play, TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart.com, or pretty much anywhere else you can get your your podcasts. Not Spotify, because they're super picky, but otherwise, uh, pretty much everywhere else. If you subscribe, that makes sure that you get the latest show as soon as it's in the feed. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or spread the word and tell a friend about the show. And we also we really appreciate your feedback, which you can share with us via Twitter, Facebook, or send us an email to contact at canadiantechpodcast.ca and let us know what you think. So for episode 144 on Monday, December 18th, 2017, I'm Derek Silva.
1: I'm David Tost.
0: Thank you, and remember the internet always wins.